Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. Matt, we've had uh, we've tried to record this podcast like five times, had some audio issues, some other stuff. Now I have COVID for the third time. I think this is like the third podcast we've recorded while I've had COVID. So you're a trooper, man. I mean, getting yeah, after it. Thought about that. Just, I hope you're. I, yeah, you're. You're a hero. I, I hope you're feeling better. I had COVID during the Buccaneers game, which was brutal. Th- you know, thinking I'm going to go there, have a good time. I, I know they ended up losing, but imagine they win that game. I'm sitting there with COVID by myself. Wasn't fun. The Atlanta game, I had a COVID scare. Uh, my girlfriend, who I live with, had COVID, so I didn't get to go to New York for your birthday. Yeah. COVID's been been taking a toll on us, but I would rather have COVID, but have Tyreek Hill be a New York Jet. I would have COVID for the next three months. I don't give a shit. Yeah, bring Tyreek to the Jets. But look, interesting now. You know, Joe Douglas, the Jets were obviously involved, uh, and the Jets have all of the assets available to them. They have the most points on the draft board in terms of draft capital they have uh still a lot of money to spend does joe douglas go out and get another stud receiver is another stud receiver even available these Mm. are the questions they're good questions and you look at an aj brown dk metcalf i don't think debo is even on the table so i take him out of it but guys that are due for a new contract after the year i don't think the jets land any of them and i don't think any of them move it was cool to be a part of the Tyreek Hill saga. It was a what 89 minute period where we're in the in the loop feeling good. But they don't land them. And the only benefit you can look back on is well, we don't have to pay a receiver that much money. He's not the most put you know, he's a little bit of a head case. He has a checkered pass, but of course I would have taken him. But you don't have to pay upwards of what 20 million, 25 million. You don't have to give up draft capital. But now we move forward and we survive in advance and everything. We well, real heard- quick, the, yeah. the, the, the recent news of the last hour, as we're recording this podcast, it's uh Tuesday at like 545, 550. You know, the Seahawks said an hour ago, John Schneider, the GM, that they want to bring DK back, which is the most concrete thing we've heard. So, yes, not like you said, not good news for the people who want the D- DK crowd. Yeah, and Douglas said today it almost sounded like he wouldn't have given up a first-round pick for anyone. He wants to keep four, and he wants to keep ten unless he moves back. But uh, I think everything we know, and we can get into the free agency a little bit, the one thing they didn't really address in free agency was edge. They brought up Jacob Martin in on a deal that you know we frankly think is, I don't know if I love that deal, a bit high. Could that money be used elsewhere? If you're going to draft edge at four, I get you need depth for this D-line. But you have enough guys like Jacob Martin probably that you can just throw in there and not pay him, what, $5 million? Yeah. I don't know. That was the only we, – we liked the offseason a lot, but there's a few moments where, you know, if you can't – if you don't land like a Chandler Jones, which I'm not saying the Jets have to, if you're in the business of doing that, you have to then make nice signings, and they didn't really make a true splash, but they did enough where they bring in a Tomlinson, they get two tight ends, they bring Barrios back. Um, Safeties. They, Two safeties, right? A corner and DJ Reed. So I get it, right? They, I would say, right. That would be yeah. my pro of the offseason is that Joe Douglas filled a lot of holes. And then the con is where is the big splash? And it doesn't maybe need to happen. You know, the Jets 
in the past have made those big splashes and it hasn't worked, yada, yada, yada. But then you look around the league and all these young quarterbacks uh, are gifted these incredible weapons. And Zach Wilson has been, you know, the Jets have invested a lot of money into the offensive line and they did get the two tight ends and they did get Elijah Moore in the second round and they did draft Denzel Mims in the second round. And you did pay Corey Davis 13 million bucks. I'm not saying they just haven't done anything. Um, but Stefan Diggs, uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, you look at some of these young quarterbacks around the league and they get these crazy guys and it does help them. DeAndre Hopkins in, in Arizona. Um, so it would be nice. And Joe Douglas was trying to get Tyreek Hill, so you can't, you know, fully blame him. But man, like that was the one thing. So I, I do like the flexibility after free agency where you filled all these positions. And it's like we could kind of do the Jets could kind of do whatever they want at four and ten. But I guess now it makes the most sense to take an edge and a receiver. I agree. I agree. And again, it's like when they drafted more and everyone was like, well, we have Denzel Mims too. I'm like, more was picked 17 spots basically ahead of Mims. And if you take a receiver at 10, that's your one. Like there's not, it's not like, yeah, more can still be a top tier wide receiver if he pans out to be, but you're taking someone 24 picks ahead of more. So you value him very high if you're taking a receiver at 10. I think you automatically take edge at four. I think it's automatic. Can't even yes. think about it. So I saw some weird. So the Jaguars, based on their offseason moves, you assume they go edge at one. You assume. Um, called Hutchinson. Neil and Icky, I think you can argue, could fall into place in Houston if they want to make that move. I've seen Kyle Hamilton mock there. I've seen Trayvon Walker mock there. But Thibodeau keeps falling, and he's at five and a half over under selection is his odds. And I bet $100 in the under. And I don't care if I double lose that. I think he's going under, right? I'm okay with double losing it because if the Jets take him at four, I win. If he goes under top five, right, I win money because I thought he was going to go there anyway. And if he goes after top five, fuck the Jets. Like, if they don't take Thibodeau at four, you better have a damn good scouting department to know that. Because forever, even up until the final week, we were like, wow, we play ourselves out of Hutchinson and Thibodeau. And it's not like he's done anything. There's not like a DUI or like a criminal video. He's been like a normal guy in the offseason, but there's always something about Oregon prospects. You saw with Herbert, you saw with Penny Sewell, you see with Thibodeau. For some reason, every Oregon prospect, they're like, oh, does he care about football? It's very weird. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the one thing, too, is you wonder what the Lions are really going to do because they took Sewell last year in the with, what, the sixth pick. Are they going to take another offensive lineman? Would they go edge? Are they going to trade out of the pick? I think they're the big wild card. And also the Texans, too. Like, the Texans kind of said they were going to roll with Davis Mills. But I don't think Davis Mills is, you know, stopping them from doing basically anything. So the top four picks are kind of in flux. I agree with you. If Thibodeau's there, I take him in a second. It didn't seem like we had really a chance to get him like you brought up also for months. So now, it's like, this guy falls into your lap. It is, A, is there a reason he's falling or is everyone just being insane? Maybe these teams are talking up like Trayvon Walker so they can take Thibodeau. You know, everyone just lies before the draft. It's like you had, like, crush on this very attractive girl, this very cool girl for a long time, and then all of a sudden she kind of likes you back, and you're like, nah, I don't know. I think I would go for it. I would go for it. You just have to do it. Like, if here's what would happen. If they take Thibodeau and he fails, 
we could always knock with a scouting department. Like we, we, you can't, you can't knock them. Like we, that's the unanimous pick there. That's the pick you take, you have to take, and then you move forward. You have to, and that's it. Yes. And also and, with his like motor quote unquote motor issues, which I don't know if that's even a thing. The Jets have built a very good foundation of healthy environment in their clubhouse, in their locker room, where I don't know. I wouldn't want to be the odd man out of this Jets team where I'm just not busting my ass and everybody else is like working their butts off and, and enjoying spending time with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just picture, and if they do stand pat with four in the top 38 and they bring in an edge, a receiver, an yep. interior D lineman, and a corner or call it a linebacker, like yeah. once you start seeing these fill out, you you get more excited about the roster that they're putting together. I I could see a scenario where they trade two twos to get up to like the late teens. Dude, I don't dude. I don't yeah I don't know if that's a fair. Like I want to be careful because I'm not I'm not the best at evaluating trade value. I look at some trades I'm like that makes no fucking sense. I look at other trades I'm like that's way too much. But if you were to give 34 and 38, is that enough capital to get you to 18? Like, it, I might don't know. Be even, it might be too much. I have no idea either. But it's like, I'm sure we could look at like the draft chart, the value of these picks, yada, yada. Um, I, yeah. We had a producer. We need like Aaron to come be our producer. I do want to operate though as if we have an extra two to fuck around with, right? And we yes. do have that. And you, the reason you trade a franchise quarterback, you took a third overall and get capital is to bring in a good player, not a man player. So if you are sitting there at 18 and at 18 there... I know there's not that number one prospect in this draft, but everyone talks about the depth in this draft. So if you, someone's got to be the best player in this draft. So people are going to fall to 15 to 18 range. You look at Linderbaum, you look at maybe a corner that fell. Like you can do something at 18 with those two picks and say, not only did I come out of this draft with three starters, they're three top 20 players. And I like that more than four in the top 38. Yes, and the good thing about, again, Joe Douglas, for example, signing the two tight ends, now you don't have to use one of your second-round picks on Trey McBride, which, mm-hmm. like, you know, for example, everybody kind of wants to do that. Um, also, DJ Reed, like, you would have ha- if the Jets didn't sign DJ Reed or a corner, they would have had to take Sauce Gardner or Stingley with one of the first two picks. Now they can do whatever they want. You still can, mm-hmm. but you don't have, you're not shooting to doing that. But you're right. I want like it's so methodical, which is good. Joe Douglas is executing his plan. We haven't really seen this before with any of the previous GMs. Um, so it's nice that Joe Douglas has a plan and he's sticking to it. But the Jets have to go for it during Zach Wilson's rookie deal. They have to do it. They have five years to really go balls to the wall and try to win a championship. And at this point. With Zach Wilson on this contract, you have to assume that he's your guy. Even if for the interim, we see all the quarterback movement in the league, but assume Zach Wilson is is the guy and try to win a Super Bowl every year from here on out. Yeah, I I think it's fair to, and we've been very critical of Douglas movies. We're also very big fans of Joe Douglas. But if we're going to be fair, in 2019, he inherited a team that wasn't his and they won seven games. He then put together a team in 2020, right? That we had concerns with the receiving core going into it. We didn't think he did a good enough job 
going after a Trent Williams to protect Darnold and then maybe taking a Judy or Lamb at 11. Like we were going through the list and we were like, all right, 2020, we, we didn't love everything, but we thought Sam was going to take good enough jump to make the Jets competitive and fight for a wild card spot. He not only regressed badly, but Douglas's moves didn't really pan out and then injuries happened. And then 2021 comes and we were fine with the offseason. He did a great draft. Free agency goes after loss and goes after Davis. So he, I, I give Douglas a lot of credit for his 2021 offseason that we really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. But why did they underperform last year, Mike? Like, is it coaching? Is it injuries? Like, the rebuild should have been a six or seven win team last year. I agree. And you're a rookie quarterback. I get that. But the Jets didn't necessarily lose because of Zach Wilson for games. Call it one or two, but there was also like, the worst defense ever. And because you have a rookie quarterback, that doesn't mean you can have the worst defense ever. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. And, just, and Carl Lawson, of course, was out. And there were some injuries, but <sighs> very disappointing, the defense. I think it right. It falls on a lot of different parts of the team. Like, right, if Douglas starts 1-6, and six, Mike, like, he started 1-7, and 0-8, oh and 1-6, and and 2-7. and seven. Like, if, if that happens again... Like, I don't want to be in the boat to fire him. And it's weird because if there wasn't a plan and it was a different type of GM, I'd feel differently. But I don't want to fire him, but I cannot support this team. And we'll, we'll do it anyway. But if you don't compete in the first half of the year again, what do you do from a fan standpoint? Do you call for Douglas's head? You don't want to give up after, you know, you get the number one head coaching candidate for us, we thought at the time. You don't want to give up a after him for two years, you don't want to give up on your rookie quarterback after two years. Like what the fuck do we do? And I don't want to play that worst case scenario, but it's interesting. It's a strange um, situation. And it's one I used to wonder about this. So people said the jets were the worst franchise ever when we're, you know, we're growing up and this is probably like, you know, 2016, 2017. So even when the jets were bad, like they were competitive, like 2011, you're eight and eight, 2012, you're six and 10. 2013, you're eight and eight. 2015, you're 10 and six. You're just not making the playoffs. Like they're playing meaningful football games. Um, and people will be like, the Jets, the worst franchise ever. And then you look at the team like the Browns, who literally were what, one in 31 in a two season span. And you're like, what the fuck goes on? And this is the territory the Jets will enter very, very soon if they don't figure it out. You know, so I don't know what the answer is. I guess if the Jets are one and six, then there's going to be a lot of criticism under Joe Douglas. And rightfully so, because methodical is good. Building through the draft is good. But as the Jets organization has been saying literally today, they keep coming out and saying like Woody, Woody Johnson said, we have to win games. Joe Douglas said we need to play meaningful football in December. It's obvious stuff, but it's like, you can't start. You can't start one and six again. You just can't do it. I I have a take, and you're right, and you're right, and we agree on that. We'll keep it more positive, right? I, I don't want to. I brought the, that scenario up, and it's my fault, but I always think about that, right? No, it when, is a legitimate scenario. So I keep hearing Joe Douglas. If we find the opportunity, we're going to strike, right? When has Joe Douglas brought in a new player in a trade that was like a strike? So he doesn't struck <laughs> struck when like he obviously gets a haul for Jamal Adams. 
He gets LDT for nothing for half a year and got the player he traded back anyway. He trades Chris Herndon for dirt cheap. He who's a dirt cheap talent, and he gets him for a fourth round pick. He trades Cashman for a pick around later than he was drafted by a failed GM, and he didn't do anything. Like he's doing a good job on that, but like when is when are you gonna strike to add someone? Like you did that. I guess Elijah Tucker. Yeah. yeah. And I was gonna say if AVT that trade didn't happen, people would be like, no shot the Jets will trade back up to get a guy in like the late first round this year. But it did happen. But I agree, like in terms of actual NFL players, I don't know. It is the time to strike. You have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. It is the time to strike and get him some kind of sick weapon or bolster our defense, help out Salah. I mean, I guess the defense can't be like it was last year. And the Jets haven't done too much to upgrade their defense yet this year. But you did, you know, you did upgrade the secondary a lot. Reed and Whitehead. Linebacking core hasn't been touched, really. Yeah, I wonder they're going to hit that in the draft. You know, Bobby Wagner's out there. have the oldest linebacking core ever. I mean, (laughs) Would it surprise you if they went Thibodeau, four, receiver 10, and then trade up for like a Devin Lloyd at 18? It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that would be one of the better scenarios. Um, yeah. Or trade up. Like, we like when here's the thing about the Linderbaum thing. I know it's like the most unpopular take ever. And I'm not saying to take him at 10 because I do think there's other holes that you can get this team better quicker. But also, the Linderbaum scenario was established when McGovern still wasn't like you didn't know what you had in McGovern. Because people forget GVR is hated and he didn't play well. And him and McGovern in 2020, McGovern played better, but it wasn't like a landslide. And both were being kind of scumbags on Twitter. Both were not sticking up for their quarterback. And they were both kind of in the doghouse. And then GVR stayed there because he sucked. And McGovern played well last year. So it's like yeah. in week five, I mocked the Linderbaum to the Jets of 10. And it was a popular take because at that time, I think it was the 11th or 12th pick. Like that was popular at the time. So I, I get it. You don't want to take a center at 10. The, my question to you is the AVT move of him going from left guard to right guard. When I first see it, I'm like, why? Then I'm like, oh, it's a March. I'm not going to overreact. But what was your initial take and how do you feel after a day has gone by? Yeah, it was a little weird. You know, like I just wasn't definitely was not expecting that. You know, if anybody was going to move, it would have probably been Beckton after his saga of whatever he's going through. Um, Nania put out a good tweet. He said, AVT has changed positions on the offensive line each of the last three years, and he's done a good job all three times. So, I mean, I don't know. The Jets are playing with fire a little bit. I love the idea of the AVT back to the left side of the line, but maybe we'll have the AVT back to the right side of the line. But it's, it's looking towards, and you're right. I think of it, and I've not played football competitively in a a team environment i'll play pickup i also have not played offensive line i feel like that is a bigger deal when you look at your first step you're going opposite foot like that has to be uncomfortable early on but avt to your point played right tackle in college he's played that side of the line he did move over to left and did fine so maybe he's more comfortable over there and but he just had a full fucking year a full year of him grinding at that position, training every day, taking that step, taking that rep, it kind of blows that now that is going to be 
he still knew the scheme. Like the biggest thing that I remember is was it ben, was Ben the O line coach last year as well? I think he was yes. John Ben. He said that in the first four weeks, AVT would miss like multiple assignments a game. And it's like not groundbreaking, but like minor gotta go after like this new lineman, come in this gap. Like there was different areas that he kept missing assignments. And he said, oh, all the old linemen do it, but AVT he called out specifically. I think he talked about that week eight because he said over the past four weeks, he hasn't done it one time. So first four, he struggled with assignments. Next four, he was great. He kept having those random games where he'd have like a 90 PFF grade. So I'm I'm for it, especially if Lincoln like is used and is comfortable at left guard and a switch for him would have been more difficult. I'm fine with it. It's whatever. Yeah, as long as, you know, the, the bright side is we have five good offensive linemen. They are going to start. Um, and I am happy with McGovern. But look, like, so to your point about Linderbaum, if the Jets do want to draft Linderbaum, then you then you get rid of McGovern and you got to do something with that money. Like if Joe Douglas sits on a pile of cash again, like he did in 2020, it's gonna it doesn't make any sense. And I remember we were talking about it. We were like, we don't even know, you know, like what rolling money over into the next year, something like that, helping the soccer. Fuck that. Spend the money. My God, if Joe Douglas goes into this year with excess cap space, he's a cocksucker. And that's it. And, you know, and I, again, we have to preface everything. We like Joe Douglas. Very, very pro Joe Douglas. This is not an anti-Joe Douglas rant. But don't sit on a pile of money when you have a second-year quarterback who's making no money. Spend the fucking money. Is there a pile of money, though, right now? I know you can make cuts. But like you can I cut Griffin and like 13, 14 million bucks. They don't cut Griffin or GVR. I think another I fact, fact. Yeah, yeah, please. There's another factor to it, which is weird because the Jets do have not only have to pay a, a like it's based on it's like where you're selecting the draft and it is a scheme from there. So it's like you're always going to pay a fourth pick overall way more than you pay a fifth round pick. And the Jets have two in the top 10. They have to pay it as top 10 rookies. And then you have to second rounder. So I wonder if like that 13 million, everyone says you need like 15 million for the draft. That can't be true. It can't be. It can't be true. I, I get it, but it can't be. Like, I don't, I'm not pretending to be a, a master of cap, but, yeah, but right. like to your point, it's like someone will tweet out, like, here are the top five in salary cap in the NFL. It'd be like the Colts with like 58 million, the Jets with like 47 million. Not right now. I'm saying just in general, the Browns and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no way that those teams can only spend. $35 million and they have to use the rest of their money for draft picks because it just doesn't work like that. And if the Saints have a full draft of seven picks or say they have six picks and they're negative 18 million in the cap, explain that to me. And then they sign Andy Dalton. Right. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't make sense. So they definitely have money to spend. Like the Dolphins didn't have money to spend for Tyree Kill this year. They didn't. Right, figure and it they out. figured it out. <laughs> That's, we play by different rules. I'm, I'm convinced. And maybe, I mean, Joe Douglas is smart. But I always had a, a, a random theory that everyone knew, all 31 teams knew certain rules in the cap that Jetsons never knew. And <laughs> that's obviously a joke of a take, cap, but yeah. yeah. The cap genius. No, you said it on one of the podcasts that we recorded that crapped out. Why don't, what happened with, what, like, you can't restructure CJ Mosley's contract? Put it into why a not? Like, I, like, why, why can't we? Because I get you can only do it with, like, kind of bigger deals like that. You see Mahomes do it. 
you see random like offensive linemen that you get $15 million a year that you transfer to signing bonus. Do it with one of our big, the only big contract that we have. Just do it. Like, fuck do it. Mosley, clear up nine mil. Give him like some Johnson and Johnson shares. I don't know. And then if the, go out and get a guy, get a guy. I want a guy, you know, like Lincoln Tomlinson is a dude. He's a I dude. Want, I want a guy. I think the Jets have like <laughs> how many confirmed guys? Like, if people are playing our team, like we could, yeah, we love AVT and we love more. They haven't had and Carter, but yeah, we can't call them guys yet. They're guys. They're not guys yet. Beckton could have been a guy if he didn't get hurt all of last year. Right. Corey Davis can't. It's like an up, uh, upside wide receiver too. Like can't that? That's not a guy. He's not a guy. Mosley, if he didn't opt out for a full year and then do nothing in 2019, he could have been a guy. I guess Carl Lawson would be a guy. He would miss all of last year. It's Achilles. like so, but you're it's right. Like, it's so annoying. Like, he's a guy with one Achilles. One Achilles. <laughs> Achilles. Achilles. I am happy about the roster. I don't want to be negative, but I want a guy. What if we get – I wish we get DK. It would be such a perfect fit. You know what's weird, too? Like, is the Jets run 11 personnel all the time? Right. Like, if you Corey draft – doesn't play. Yeah, you draft <laughs> receiver 10, like, Corey Davis isn't on the field. I know. That was the other thing, too. I keep talking about it. I don't know in a podcast that has been released or not. The Jets don't really need another receiver, like, as much as people say. I think that getting a guy like Tyreek Hill – just put your team over the edge in certain ways is like super exciting. And, and, and obviously the Jets could use another receiver, but I love Elijah Moore. I think he's in a thousand yard guy and Corey Davis, you know, is a very good player as well. So you don't necessarily need another, another number one type receiver. Would it help? Sure. I don't want to blindly follow the Bengals. Uh, team building pattern where just because they took Jamar Chase at six and they go to the Super Bowl means that everybody has to do that now. It worked, but if you know if anybody watched the Bengals Raiders game in the wild card round, like you could lose the game. You know the Bengals could have easily lost. I think the Raiders had the ball in the red zone to end the game. Like and then we're not even talking about this. I don't think the Jets would like. It's just interesting stuff like that where something so slight changes everything and then people base future decisions off of it. I don't know if I would probably take a receiver at 10. I definitely would make a move for a veteran guy, but it's not the most necessary thing. You do have a good solid number one and two. Agreed. Agreed. But if you do take a receiver at 10, it's crazy how fast the Neil and Icky stuff falls apart. Once you are confident, all right, Beckton fan, and then you sign a left guard. Like you're, it's crazy. Like Neil and Icky were the two that you were assuming. That's a problem. You just don't. There's nowhere to play him. Yep, which is a, a good problem to have. And and every you hear it all the time. Doug was talking about. Um, it starts up front. Starts up front. You know, he's had three first round picks, one quarterback, two offensive line. I think the argument you can make is why have you addressed edge more? The one D lineman that you take is Jabari Zuniga. Am I missing someone? No, that's it. They signed. Well, obviously you got Lawson, but Jonathan Marshall. But he's a nose tackle, yeah. Yeah. I I want Sherwood and, and Nazardine. Just one of them to be a guy. One of them to be a dude. I want one of them dude. to be a dude. That's yeah, the goal. Nice. Now, 
we've been really bad at recording this podcast. We've had too much fun on Twitter. That's what the problem is. We have we go on Twitter, we act like maniacs the entire time, and then we get away from going to the pod. So I'll edit this. Hopefully, have it out tonight. Um, anything yeah. else we can touch on here? Uh well, we, so we got the draft coming up. Free agency still not done. OTAs will come up. That'll be exciting. Always fun to see the boys in action. Makai's been working out. Zach Wilson's been on on a tour of seeing all his teammates. He was at the U with with Berrios. Yeah. So that's good. You like to see Zach out there and making uh, relationships with his guys. Mm. What else happened? Salah and uh, Douglas were at the coaches' meeting. <laughs> NFL just tweeted who had the best offseason. Field Yates commented Christian Kirk and double <laughs> double ratioed them like him. <laughs> So I can't believe Christian Kirk got more money than JC Jackson. So stupid. I think that's I it know. for me, though. I need to get a coffee, man. Go get a coffee. I'm going to go like lay down. All right. Thanks for listening to Mike having COVID and me not having coffee in me. We'll be more positive and, and ready to go as we get closer to the draft. But the Jets are winning 11 games next year. I think they're winning 12. <laughs> <laughs>